What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> you guys ready to just jump into it, get sure. it started? I'm Chase Weniger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan. Carlos. Hope everybody's enjoying this uh, wonderful weather we've had lately. Wonderful weather today. <laughs> yes. It wasn't the most wonderful yesterday. Or it, it, was, it started with It wasn't bad Friday. It was nice. And okay. Saturday wasn't bad. And today's guest, Jay Harala. <laughs> Jay, what do you do? What's your job title? I'm a uh, fisheries biologist, essentially, but I'm the program coordinator for the Stream Investigations Branch. We do uh, research projects on any moving water throughout the state, whether it be Ohio River, Green River, uh, smaller creeks, things like that. So when you say stream investigations, like my mind goes straight to CSI, you know, crime scene <laughs> investigations. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think of when I think of investigations. So what are you investigating out there? Is it like if there's a, a spill, are you guys in charge of, you know, the fish kill or are you just doing regular routine investigation? We, we will from time to time help out with fish kills on streams. Uh, but, but mainly that investigations is kind of another term for research so mm -hmm. we've, we've got specific uh, projects that we're looking at uh, on the stream side of things uh, we do have the equipment uh, that some of the districts don't don't have mm -hmm. uh, that uh, make us a little more equipped to to be able to do some of that such as jet drives um, and some other pieces of shocking equipment as well but uh, a lot of times that the districts don't have time to get to the streams, so that's yeah. kind of where we come in as well and like a let's just say a district like western i mm -hmm. mean they have barkley and they have kentucky lake and malone and all these big bodies of water so i mean that obviously is where a lot of people recreate and a lot of people fish so they're probably a little tied up there and you guys kind of clean up the, the 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 cracks right absolutely um we kind of do what's what they sometimes can't get to mm -hmm. uh and, and we also have other districts to help us out you know cfd will help us out with elkhorn and floyd's fork yeah uh the district out of moorhead will help us on tigerts and kenny connect creek with, mm -hmm. with some sampling there so what's an investigation look like when you go to a let's say we got a stream boom new stream we're going to investigate it how do we how do we investigate it so really the first thing we're going to do is, is we're going to go scout for access, whether it be mm -hmm. public or private, but pretty and much any, anywhere we can get a piece of our equipment in, whether that be a jet drive uh, electrofishing boat uh, or uh, we have a new piece of equipment that we just got a, about a year ago called a tote barge. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially a boat, a tiny boat that you push and you've got people in the water shocking. So we're wearing waders and, and shocking fish that way. Okay. And we'll kind of knock on doors if we need to if, it, if it's private you know we might be looking for slab crossings old ford crossings mm -hmm. boat ramps in some cases um, that we can get in and we're trying to find a good uh kind of spatial pattern along this creek to where we can get in in multiple places so just mm -hmm. distri distribute yourself yeah we're we're trying to get you know uh, you know a, a few put in spots between the you know the the start of that and the end of it mm -hmm. um you know so for green river for example uh what i call old pool six so essentially mm -hmm. from brownsville up to green river lake mm -hmm. you know we can put in at tailwater we can put in at roachville we can put in several spots around greensburg we can get in on mammoth cave we can get in at mumfordville mm -hmm. things like that so we want to cover it from from start to end of the specific section we're looking at um and then once we know we can get in we're looking for the right flow to be able to maneuver around and we're gonna we're gonna go in and we typically just do sport fish mm -hmm. uh, so we're dipping bluegill rock bass red ear smallmouth spotted bass large mouth, uh, musky. large mouth musky uh and, and catfish as well so uh we're trying to get a good idea of the species composition of that pool um you know 
relative weight or condition of those fish to see what kind of shape they're in uh relative abundance just to know how many they're there and also size structure you know does it have trophy potential mm-hmm. things like that so then you take all that data so let's say let's use elkhorn for example right right here let's say you do the 19 miles from the forks to the kentucky river okay mm-hmm. the main stem of elkhorn creek if you took your data would you compile it in a way that kind of showed like densities in different areas of the creek or uh typically not done necessarily by the by the area we look at it as a whole okay. um you know chances are a lot of these creeks are not big enough where we'd, we'd manage different sections. different sections of it especially just a 19 mile section yeah, of the yeah. creek right so um you know cfd actually has a data set probably going back to the 70s mm-hmm. uh, if i had to guess on that mm-hmm. uh so we've got really good trend data so we can see what uh what kind of our relative abundance how many fish are in the creek looks like from year to year and what you see is it, it cycles up up and down and you have periods that are really good and periods where it naturally declines whether that be water conditions be it drought flood whatever uh forage availability things like that but we can get an idea kind of you know where we're at and historically is the creek in good shape right now and elkhorn specifically is in been in great shape, mm-hmm. shape the past three or four years so do streams you know like on land it's a whole lot easier to see because I mean, you just look out and, but do creeks are they cyclical like species on lands are like you hear of a seven-year cycle right is what you kind of hear as far as a boom and a bust year seven year every seven years you kind of get that cycle on land for a different species is that in water absolutely uh i don't know that i could put a number to it yeah uh but creeks i'd say are probably you know there's they're small rivers mm-hmm. okay <laughs> so uh they're a little more flashier than rivers you know up and down quite a bit more they're they're a little bit more affected by floods uh, um, and also drought. Um, so, you know, you really need all the conditions to come together for for creek species to have year after year of success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we don't expect smallmouth bass or rock bass to get a good spawn off every year. Yeah. Um, Elkhorn being the exception, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So, um you know very cyclical uh different species can tolerate some of those conditions a little bit better um you know smallmouth bass uh we've had some down years in in other parts of the state you know the past five years or so uh where we get really high spring floods and uh that can either cause the spawn to not happen one or two the you know once those fish do spawn uh, the fry get wept, swept away, eggs mm-hmm. get silted on top of, uh, fingerlings aren't able to forage because they're site, site predators, so it, it makes things really tough. I got a random question for you, and Lee, you might know the answer to this one too, but, and I think I know the answer, but what is the difference in a creek and a river? What's the difference in a pond and a lake? You know what I mean? Like, is there... A, yeah. a, I always heard... A river has to be 100 miles, or but I don't know if that's old wives' tale or not, but I always heard that. That's why Elkhorn uh, Creek's 99 miles. That's why it's not a river. I've always heard that. I don't know whether yeah. they're buying it. Have you heard that, too? Yeah, I've heard 100 miles on the river and the creek before. You know, I I couldn't give you a good answer. I don't think there's anything official out there. I, I've been on water bodies that I would have called a creek, and they're it turns out to be a river. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with stream order at all, mm-hmm. uh, the larger the order of that stream is, the larger, you know. So if it has tribs. Yeah. 
has tributaries leading into it. And sometimes, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bigger. It just it means what, it has more things flowing. What's the it. smallest of the orders? I believe it starts at, it's, it either starts at zero or starts at one, but you have to have two of the same number come together to create a higher so what, stream order. what would Elkhorn be? Is it? I'd, I'd have to look at the drainage to tell you, Lee. Um, I, I'm really not sure off the top of my head. But it'd be like five or six, probably, or four or uh, five? I doubt it's that high. Okay. Uh, maybe a three or four, but I, I, I'd have to so look at So Green River closer. would probably be a five or a six? Maybe. You guys are yeah. off okay. my head right now. So. Well, no, the, I remember it from and portions Jim Axon's trout things. Yeah. He talked about orders of streams. Portion, portions know, of Green just, River yeah. are probably a different order than the further you go down Green River, the it might get yeah. a higher stream order yeah. to it. So, so essentially, the Mississippi River is going to be a 10. Be yeah. very high, yes. The Ohio yeah. River is going to be a notch below because it flows yeah. into the Mississippi. Right. And then yeah. the Kentucky River is going to be a notch below because it. Right. And then we go backwards from there. Redbird yes. River is going to be a notch below. Yeah. So your headwater streams are going to be your low, low order streams. Yeah. And low, those low order streams are characterized by uh, very hot, you know, just very unstable flash floods. Mm hmm easy to drought and they might even be temporal streams things like that yeah. so. it kind of makes me think of the kentucky river you know they say where it starts out in eastern kentucky you can step across it mm -hmm. absolutely up there on is it black mountain or is it pine uh, uh up that way pine. yeah pine i think yeah. mm -hmm. so they say you can go to the headwaters of the uh, kentucky river and you can literally step across the kentucky river mm -hmm. so there the order would obviously be different than it is up there and Carrollton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And same thing with the, the, the Mississippi River up near Bemidji. I mean, you know, you can mm -hmm. you can canoe down it, you know, no no problem and, and drag it across riffles. So mm -hmm. and then when you get down to Louisiana you're looking at a whole new ball. Tanker game. traffic. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, no doubt. And it's great. I've always kind of been curious, you know, about how they decide when two streams come together which one it continues to be. Is it just the one with the higher average flow? Like is the one who gets to keep the name or something, you know? It, it maybe all this stuff was set in stone. I think it was yeah, ago. I think it was set in stone by pioneers and yeah. we we're just living with the yep. leftover, ain't we? Don't you think? And they were running through there naming things and calling <laughs> Cause some of them are funny, like Cut Shan Creek. I mean there's some that are, you know, difficulty and troublesome and all them. Yep. There's some funny names. What um uh, one thing you know, I have several things jotted down here. One question I had for you. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fisheries districts in the in the state, right? Mm -hmm. We have eastern, northeast, southeast, central, southwest, northwest, western. And that's how we break it up for biologists, right? Like regions. Yep. So I wanna know kind of what is special about a region. Like what happens within a region, what do those biologists do within their region? And then you are the stream expert. Give me a, a stream in each region that if you're a if you're a fisherman, that's like, what I was going to. Yeah, yeah sure. I want to know a stream in a, in each region to, <laughs> that that shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, so the regions are kind of broken up geographically. Um, There's a map, and, and the office <laughs> it tends to be fairly central within that. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are really broken up so but that sometimes there's there's a lot of overlap there, too. There, yeah. there can be, and sometimes biologists from different districts will help each other out if, if something's closer. But uh, you know, they're they're kind of the ones that are taking care of the lakes within those districts. Uh, the the lakes and reservoirs is their their big thing. Uh, so they do population assessments on those lakes. Uh, they do a lot of habitat work on those lakes um they they field questions a lot of a lot of phone call time for the district biologists answering whether it be farm pond related questions fishing questions access questions all all sorts uh, a, a myriad of, of issues and questions um and you know 
they have a lot of other duties, but you know, if if I had to sum it up really quick, that's kind of what I'd say. Um, I guess as as far as a good creek or stream you can hit in each each district. Let me give you the districts and you sure. tell me. I'm going to start reading left to right. We're going with uh, Western District, which is from Fulton County to Christian County, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, most of the creeks and stuff that we're hitting are, are going to be riffle pool. That part mm-hmm. of the state doesn't have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I will tell you is Trade Water, which actually separates that district from the Northwest District, I believe. Uh, we sampled that, I think, back in 2018, maybe. Hmm. Um, a lot of Asian carp to deal with, or invasive scar- invasive carp, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can w- weed through that, uh, there was surprisingly good crappie in the lower end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you get up towards the upper end, uh, it starts. It's really slack water. Um, some decent spotted bass, and uh, with the tailwater of uh, Lake Bashir not being too far away. Some really good largemouth and probably one of the best bowfin fisheries in the state. Bowfin. Oh, wow. Bowfin. So if you're looking for a unique kind of fishery, um, trade, water, trade Water River, a, a lot of those backwater slough areas mm-hmm. um, that are kind of, you know, if you can find some cypress trees out there, um, you can probably find some bowfin not too far away. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that if I had to say you know one river out that way i, I would say trade water would be a, a great bowfin opportunity for a lot of people i've never caught a bowfin i haven't either i want but, to catch a bowfin but they call them grinnell and dogfish yep. now can they like can survive trap. they they can bury in mud and survive a little while correct uh yeah they've got some some primitive breathing and things like that but yeah i mean they're they're very hardy it takes a lot of uh a lot to kill a bowfin as far as water quality and have like you ever that. heard of farmers like Going back in a field that had been flooded and plowing and plowing them up. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it. I don't know if it's. If it's that a while. I've always wondered if that's, you know, fable or not. I've heard they can bite like you wouldn't believe. Well, um, they have. Yeah, yeah, we actually got a, several in Mud River one time uh, down around Rochester, right above Rochester Dam. Hmm. And uh, we, we had them in the live well, and the technician that, that grabbed them up actually got bit by one. And oh, it, it was uh, not, a, not a pretty sight to see. Yeah. <laughs> You look at them; they don't look like they're going to have chompers they, on got, them. No, they got teeth some. that I, I would. They're like triangular teeth mm-hmm. almost, and they they are razor sharp. Oof. They're they're one of the ancient species, yes, aren't they? Absolutely. Most of those that uh, can survive weird conditions are ancient. Yep. I feel like that's why they're ancient because they can breathe air and breathe water and do all this weird stuff. You know, like I don't know what happened. Whatever your theory is, when the asteroid hit and there was ash everywhere and. You know, the water was bad, all the fish died, except for these, because they could breathe air. If the air was bad, they could breathe water. So mm. it's kind of cool. It's the same with gar, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they're so dang hardy. But I'd, I'd love to catch a bowfin. So um, Trade Water River, bowfin. And now, you mentioned the invasive carp. Do you ever think that there's, like, a good benefit to targeting those areas where you see those carp? Because some places, like the Ohio River, if I see a big old pot of of silver carp over there i know that there's probably a bunch of blue cats sitting right underneath of them you know i think a lot of it depends on the size of them you know if you're seeing a lot of big carp Mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of blue cats out there that can eat those guys yeah Yeah. but if we're talking uh young a year asian carp or one-year-old carp Mm -hmm. that you know are 15 inches or less then yeah you could you could potentially have some predators around them uh you know if you've got a fresh spawn oh yeah what a crappie 
a lot of a lot of minnows mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter what species could be bass could be topside minnows could be mm-hmm. mosquito fish whatever that's what they're keying in on is that one to maybe three inch long minnow right mm-hmm. so you know uh, maybe there's something to that i don't know that i would i would call it a pattern uh yeah I think in a lot of these smaller creeks, uh, obviously forage is important, but uh, habitat has a lot to do with it, too. So you're, you're looking for, you know, in something that's riffle pool, you're looking for something with some depth, some cover, uh, but also, you know, a forage source nearby. I think the reason I think that is because of the Ohio River and spots. And I don't think that the catfish are in there to feed on those silver carp. I think that it's just the optimal water. You know, the the silver carp are looking for certain water conditions, and just so happens that the catfish are looking for the same ones. But right. you're right about the spawn. I know every year when the drums spawn, and all you want to throw afterwards is a like a one-and-a-half-inch spoon, you know, because drum have that profile. Mm-hmm. And if you throw a spoon in there, it just that's what all those fish are keyed in on. They want to eat those little tiny There's drums. There's some surprisingly so. big drum in Elkhorn. I see some big there ones when every time I... big ones, and I have caught some recently. <laughs> have you really? State record drum, 55 pounds. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Haven't seen any of those in Elkhorn. No. But you'll see some big ones. You float over and it's like, man, what's that? And you see that rounded tail. It's like, yep. well, that's a big one. How big is the one you, you caught some recently? Uh, about Probably about four pound. Yeah. Four is a good one on a rod and reel. You know, you can it was that. fun. I, 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 I thought I had a big flat flathead. Yeah, I was smallmouth fishing. Yeah. Mm, I love that. <laughs> All right. Let's go to northwest union county to larue county uh i mean there there's several there uh there's a lot in that area in there well a lot of the bigger rivers going through there um there, there's some other things that we we've just started hitting i mean you've actually got otter creek is in there uh we sampled that that was the first stream we were able to yeah. hit with the tote barge mead county there mm-hmm. um you know and, and obviously we stock it pretty heavily with trout mm-hmm. uh, they showed up quite quite good uh a surprising uh rock bass fishery uh i was i was pretty impressed with that for as small and flashy a creek as that is mm-hmm. um smallmouth were okay I, I won't say the best in the state but i think you could go out there and have a decent day catching catching some some smallmouth um you've also got uh in that area let me take a look at the map here uh you've got no lynn river below the lake mm-hmm. uh there um which i can't remember actually that might actually be in the southwest district <laughs> uh but that's in that area as well yeah um and nolan river should flow yeah you've way. got upper nolan which has obviously got uh white bass mm-hmm. white bass run in it um and and potentially some walleye um talking to our biologists mm-hmm. down there um going to get uh broodstock walleye maybe some some walleye making a run up in the river there so oh yeah um 10 15 years ago that was a pretty prominent fishery and then it kind of the, you the, know yeah i mean we still stock the lake pretty heavily um and i think it's a, a fairly underutilized fishery in the state uh both that and green river lake for that matter uh when it comes to walleye but um yeah they uh we're having some trouble getting getting broodstock for our hatcheries this year for walleye and uh he made a few trips up the river and um, and did pretty well to be honest with you. Um, so there's a every when we go down there and we white bass fish. If we take a boat or something, we'll talk to the people on the bank. There's always a few of them that are targeting walleye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get there about two or three weeks before the yeah, white bass I, run. I think it's pretty seasonal. It mm-hmm. sounds like, um, but it's pockets. They find yep. them in pockets. Like the white bass guys, they'll tell you 
15 spots you can go catch a white bass but the walleye guys are like oh you have to go to this spot you know like one specific hole have you been in nolan like say wheeler's mill and above I have not. There's not a whole lot of public access. That's actually something that uh, the district bio in there have and I have looked into in the past, I don't know, year or so, uh, is just potentially trying to get some different equipment in some of those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been, a uh, not a canoe livery, but some canoe access near the town of White's Mill, I believe. Yeah, White Mills, yeah. Um, that, that has kind of, I guess the town has kind of made that a thing here in the past two or three years uh, with some some takeouts and things like that. Um, but there's just not a whole lot of access, public access, um, for us to get in on. Um, you know, so it, it hasn't been high on our priority list. Uh, you know, if it's something that the public doesn't have access to, uh, we're I wouldn't say we wouldn't sample it, but it's not high on our priority list. You know, if we've got something mm-hmm. that the public is using a lot and has yeah, good if access, if there's no access, then there's yeah, right. So um, obviously, if we think there's an issue or maybe we have a potential to to buy land, it would be a, of of a little more interest. Um, this kind of came about because we were looking for spots for to get in for broodstock collection. Um, so Jerry Bynack told me it's on the list, but it's yeah, you know, understandable. It, not not real high up there at this point in time not to, not to say that it won't be in the future though so uh otter creek's cool to me because you basically otter creek park which is owned by the department mm-hmm. it's an ora outdoor recreation area basically goes from the mouth of otter creek at the ohio river yep. upstream for about three miles or so and the the creek changes so much along that three mm-hmm. miles absolutely from uh what's it called garnetsville yeah which is right there at the entrance to the park to the blue hole it's all stream it's all riffle yep you know and then once you get past the blue hole it kind of opens up you got beavers down there and it gets some deeper pools and it's just a complete it's like a mile and a half of this type of water and then a mile and a half of that type of water yep so it gives you really good diversity and you, there's a walking trail the otter creek trail literally parallels the creek the whole way it's a little bluffy in spots, and there's mm-hmm. some spots where the creek has washed it out. But it's a cool spot if you like, if you want to hike a little bit and fish, fly fish, spin fish. It's whatever. bluffy upstream of Garnetsville too. It, it is, yeah. and uh, shortly after you get on the other side of that bridge, you're into Fort Knox. Yes. So you really need yeah. to know what the boundaries are. Yeah. Uh, that being said, Fort Knox does have public fishing yeah. available on part of it. That mm-hmm. uh, I believe you do have to have a permit for. You yeah. have to check in. Um, things like that but there's several spots on fort knox that you can get in as well that are very easy access i mean you can park right by the creek and get in uh camp carlson's one of them yeah uh the twin bridges which is just off of 60 there's another fort knox does their own stocking too Mm -hmm. they do so we stock and they stock and if somebody wanted to go fish otter creek i mean that's easy they can get a a day pass or an annual pass Mm -hmm. from our website i think that's like the only area that actually has a user fee for Uh, the department there might be one body i believe oh yeah Yeah, peabody yeah yeah and uh lbl too yes yeah lbl is that's but that's that's federal federal, but still you gotta pay but otter creek the way that it was acquired back in the day you know it kind of came with some caveats but um the I've had great trout fishing up there. It's been fun. If somebody wanted to fish on Fort Knox, it's called iSportsman, the website that you use, and you just create a, an account there. And basically, you can buy a fishing permit for Fort Knox. And they have lakes and ponds and stuff on mm-hmm. Fort, Fort Knox also. That's something I've been in touch with Fort Knox over the past uh, year or so about trying to promote more of their opportunities because it's somewhat underutilized. It is. And it's somewhat underutilized because it, there are some extra steps to get on you can't just go there you know? are it's it's an active military uh base, mm-hmm. base so i mean there there's 
at times there are live ammunition mm-hmm. in certain spots that they obviously want to keep the public away from for safe obvious yeah. safety reasons <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing to kill a float for a waiting there's, trip uh, like there's more live ammunition <laughs> there's more military traffic on the base than a lot of people realize because mm-hmm. they can't see all of the base yeah. so uh i know just when we were out there scouting we had several times where we're you know convoys or just people coming coming through with military vehicles that that uh, we kind of had to pull off for and, and things like that yeah. so um you know something to be aware of if you're out there it is active nothing to be afraid of as long as you're yeah. following the rules obviously but uh yeah i would agree with you chase definitely an underutilized mm-hmm. uh, uh resource in the states like when i say underutilized like i looked at their turkey harvest and turkey season's a little tricky there because of the number of spots available and the number of people that want to go but fort knox is about a hundred thousand acres right and taylorsville lake wma is about three thousand acres and i think that fort knox the last year that i looked at results for only killed twice as many turkeys as taylorsville lake wma and so that tells me they killed twice as many turkeys but they've got 30 times as much land Mm -hmm. you know there's some something's not adding up and it's not the availability of turkeys it's the amount of participation Mm -hmm. but it's very regulated areas are closed like you said because they have everything tracked off into you know like thousand or fifteen hundred acre tracks and they open or close them based on the day when I asked the question you know what what makes you determine how to open or close them is it to keep pressure off an area and they were like Oh, no, it's mostly just training exercises and live ammunition might be being sent that way. And so I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, definitely not going <laughs> to break that rule. And then it's like the best no trespassing signs I've ever seen. He blow it up house. real good. <laughs> yeah. they, they have these signs up out there that are like unexploded ordinances yep. in area. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to. Well, well I think I'm not going to wait there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that uh, yeah, that is the best no trespassing sign that I've ever seen. You know, Jay, uh, Jerry Binack told me years ago when I did a story on Nolan mm-hmm. that before the reservoir, that was considered the queen of Kentucky smallmouth float streams. Have you ever heard that? I, I haven't heard it, but uh, and then I mean, if the uh, upper portion of, of the river, you know, that is obviously impounded now and what's above it is anything like what's below it habitat wise, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, we did sample that. That stretch, that small stretch there from mm-hmm. Nolan Dam down to uh, Green River, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, obviously, there's impacts there at that time. Lock and Dam Five uh, or Lock and Dam Six was still there, still partially there, mm-hmm. uh, not not completely gone. And you know, obviously, the lake has some impacts, but uh, it was a okay fishery. I mean, uh, wor- worth a float down it for sure. Uh, trout, spotted bass, musky. So. I'm going to mm-hmm. go check it out. But, I mean, it's only four miles, right? Yeah. From yeah. Nolan River Lake Dam to Green River is about four miles, and you got about another mile and a half to a takeout. So you're talking five Roughly. and a half, six miles. Yeah, you just go around through old Lock and Dam 6 and then take out of Brownsville, wouldn't you? Uh, actually, you, you could or, take out at Brownsville if you want. but Or you uh, can go back up. and You could actually just take out where old Lock and Dam 6 used to be. There's Oh, a, that's there's, right. I forgot. There's a there's new killer a, access spot there. There's a there with a very nice sandy, rocky beach right there. Mm-hmm. And good parking. Um, and, and all. Yeah, you know, I forgot about that. A good spot to end your fish. There's a lot of rubble and stuff in the water um when, when we have sampled there um we we oftentimes run into people bank fishing or kayak fishing right down there so southwest now i, I want to get like a an announcer voice on here <laughs> southwest where are we where so, are we fishing in the southwest so southwest is a, is a good one todd uh, county to marion county cumberland yeah, we, county we got a lot of good ones there um 
you obviously got Green River. Oh, and I, by the way, I'm going to make it a rule where Green River and Elkhorn can't be the picks. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. If Green River is a pick, uh, what I would consider old pool six of green, so from Brownsville up to the dam, mm-hmm. uh, the, the upper half of that that pool six is, is by far the best size but that's your that's best what I was casting a twenty inch in this. That's what I was going to ask you. What what do you think's the oh, and I knew the answer to it probably. That's, anyway. that's your best cast. The best part carry. of that's tough to do too, though. If you got a Absolutely. jet boat, you can do it. But that fifteen mile stretch from the dam down to it's a mule kicker. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough it, one. It is. You, you got to be willing to put in the time and, and have a long day in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really not that weightable of a stream unless it's the heat of summer because mm-hmm. there are a lot of deep holes and i think that's what helps it hold so many fish is they've got thermal refuge in the summer mm-hmm. but if i can't say green river uh there's several other options there um you've got lower barren river mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we've uh, just had another dam removal there mm-hmm. yeah uh, so that is actually I know there's some people not happy about it because they used to boat that section. However, that creates habitat that is a lot better for smallmouth uh, rock bass. You're, you're more stream fish, stream-oriented fish. Um, we were able to sample it last year shortly after the dam was removed, mm-hmm. uh, and we were already see it, starting to see some, some fish that we had not previously seen in that area kind of populate that area. So they're, they're moving in from whether it be tribs or moving up you know out of other places into there we're already seeing that start to be populated and we we hope to get back this fall and check that again um gasper river is another one there um unfortunately we did have a fish kill there uh in a tributary to to gasper that that did have some some damage but um it it is starting to make a comeback talking to a few anglers down there catching some fish it's a clear fork Clear Fork of Gasper River was yeah. where the kill initiated. However, I caught fish there it, it when I was ex- doing Blue Water Trail down there. It did extend into Gasper. Um, but Gasper, Gas, Gasper's another good one uh, down that way. Gasper. Um, but, I mean, you, you've got so many of the tribs that lead into to Lower Barren. And when I say Lower Barren, I'm talking below the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got – there's just so much water that you can get a kayak or canoe or even a jet drive into. You've got Drake's Creek. You've got mm-hmm. Trammel Creek. I've heard of Drake's and Trammel. Uh, you've got both I've, the Forks of Drake, which are mm-hmm. which are surprisingly good for skinny water. West Fork of Drake's particularly um, good, isn't it? Yeah. And mi- I mean, Middle Forks was, 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 was fished kind of it an as well. opener as well. So, um, Let me ask a question. If somebody's listening to this right now and they hear us say Drake's Creek, or they hear us say Trammel Creek, or going back to Otter Creek, Treadwater River, are there resources on the website they could find access for yep. these spots? Yeah, I've so done Blue Water Trails on Gasper and yep. all of Drake's, and we, I know the stream fisheries investigations you all have done. If there's yep, a, we got several. Obviously, Lee's done his Blue Water Trails. Um, our branch, uh, the stream investigations branch, has got a... Uh, a page if you look at stream fisheries mm-hmm. uh, underneath it's, the fishing tab on i ours, use all the time <laughs> there are several on there that that we typically try and stay with the ones that have good public access uh, and, um, and and we've gotten several samples on we provide you with directions to put in and take out sites mileages of floats the flows you want to be looking for pictures of what we sampled uh, some general sampling data so you know you know whether the most recent sample had good numbers and size of fish, things like that. Um, so, and additionally, for access, if they're not on a Blue Water Trail or you know one of our stream web pages, uh, they can just go look at our Where to Fish page mm-hmm. if they if they know that that creek's nearby and uh, and they want to. 
potentially find some access with driving direction. The thing I really like what y'all have done with the stream fisheries page is one the recommended flows i kind of we kind of plow some of the same ground but i love that you put pictures of the accesses yes. so people can look oh because some of our accesses people may have this uh grandiose vision it's going to be a beautiful paved and no some of them are pretty rough you yeah. know we, we have some that are boat ramps and some mm-hmm. that are nice gravel bars and mm-hmm. other times you might be knee deep in river mud yeah <laughs> I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually pretty amazed at the uh, amount of data there's a yeah. lot of links on there too so there'll be a link to i Google steal Maps. from it all the time brother it's a uh, great resource so right here i'm on this page right so i mm-hmm. went to stream fishing yeah. stream mm-hmm. fisheries on the website and i just clicked on tradewater river because we just talked about it and as i scroll down it's got a map here that shows all the access points mm-hmm. it's like an interactive map that you could pull up on your phone yep. and get directions mm-hmm. uh, it's google maps really yeah. and then it shows me pictures of the fish that have been shocked up in mm-hmm. Treadwater River. What's this fellow's name? That is Brandon Sawyers. He is actually the uh, assistant biologist in my branch. He was a former technician, mm-hmm. but he's worked his way up. Yep. And uh, he's actually kind of our uh, – I, I oversee the branch, and I, I deal with a little bit of everything. Um, but he is now kind of our our lead bio for the for the stream. So that's his part of the annual report he work he works on streams data and things like that so now here he is holding four really nice large mm-hmm. mouth yep and he's got a heck of a, of a black crappie and a white crappie heck yeah and then so now it's telling me all the different access points and total river miles so we've Any got a, grinnell? another heck of a white crappie mm-hmm. and then a and then a really nice white bass so yep. i mean you see all the pictures and then as we go down it tells us recommended flows mm-hmm. recommended water levels and then it likely said it literally has a picture of every access that just point. comes in handy and those have got like i say those have got links at the top of them to google maps that mm-hmm. you can you know send it to your phone or or yeah. screenshot it or whatever I'm, d- I'm doing a kentucky field outdoors on some fishing tips and i first thing i say is go yeah. go there go to blue water trails and also if you want to know what the ratings are for rapids, American Whitewater has some really Absolutely. good resources. So, so. Th- and there, there will be more of those stream web pages coming out in the future, and we do update those. So as we redo some streams, that data cha- that data on the bottom where you're looking at those those graphs, Chase mm-hmm. will change mm-hmm. and be updated. Uh, we've had some turnover, and and obviously COVID played a played mm-hmm. a role in a few things too, and people moving around and whatnot. So we've got a few that we are in the process of actually getting published on the website now i don't remember off the top of my head what those were for uh but there should be one for uh floyd's fork uh i think one for russell creek and uh maybe maybe a few small other ones as well that uh, we just haven't they haven't been the top priority um with trying to get caught up and get back to full staff yeah i I hear you but that that information that is on there is up to date um and we do hope to have more uh up within the next six months or so as i scroll down through the species you got sampling data here right yeah mm-hmm. the one for for Tradewater river that jumps out to me is the black crappie yeah the most abundant like so you have it split up here mm-hmm. into six seven eight nine ten all the different lengths of fish and then it shows number of fish sampled that were that length and the most common length for a black crappie was 10 inches mm-hmm. which is a pretty stud black crappie Heck yeah you know that's like um what people, i love black crappie i think people go out to taylorsville lake open to catch is a 10 inch Heck yeah well they have to catch 400 to get two 10 inches yeah. sometimes but here <laughs> if you were going to catch a length black crappie you got just as good a chance as catching a 10 out of a too. stream that's yeah, impressive yeah, that's what i'm saying that's pretty uh, that's pretty good stuff if somebody oh. wanted to take their kayak out and throw a bunch of them in the boat that'd be pretty slick 
All right, let's move to the next one here. Sure. Central, which is where we're at. Remember, you can't say Elkhorn. This I, one's pretty much Bullet, uh, pretty, you know, Central Kentucky. Uh, one, one I want to ask you about, Rolling Fork. Have we done much on Rolling Fork? Uh, we have sampled it a couple times. Um, you could go there and catch some fish. I, it's very spotty. Uh, it, it's pretty heavily impacted by ag, and it's very flashy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, we talked about streams being cyclic um, earlier Um you know, it's been a little while since we've hit that one, to be honest with you. Uh, it could be that we go out and hit it, and it's it's terrific next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of things that are feeding into the Salt River, Rolling Fork, Beach Fork, things like that, there's, there is a lot of, uh, lot of siltation, mm-hmm. a lot of flashiness to it. Uh, well, Beach Fork has changed dramatically since I was a kid. Yes. Um, you know, it, we've sampled Beach Fork. It was okay great channel cat fishery if you want to go catch some channel, channel mm-hmm. cats uh same thing with rolling fork mm-hmm. um decent spotted bass uh and a lot of channel cats so spotted bass and channel cats well the upper part when you get above lebanon and you get up and also the big south fork or the rolling fork it gets more riverine up there. there's just no absolutely no access right so gotta work on that i oh, know Central. Yeah, if we're talking central, I uh, can't say Elkhorn, but I'll, I'll still plug it. Go fish Elkhorn if you haven't. Yeah, a lot of access, a lot of fish. It's been you, fishing. I've had the best year in a long time this year. This year, fishing yeah. great. Yeah, I think Jay here has too. Yeah, yeah. it's it's fishing we, great we right get now. Into that no, that's right. Never mind. It's all the great. fish died. I forgot about that over the weekend. There's no, the only thing left is carp. <laughs> There's a lot of carp guys too now. Yeah, now Elkhorn's always good. I'll throw out a, a at least one and uh and. A lot of people may not agree with me on this, but uh, Eagle Creek, we sampled it a few years back. I had a uh, guy call me about that. Out with a lot of complaints, a lot of complaints. I was expecting it to be poor. It was one of the best smallmouth samples I've ever had in the the 12 years that I've been here. Um, He just didn't know how to fish. Uh, hey, may, maybe we were in the spots he weren't. I, I won't. I won't say that. Uh, you know, people had issues with that. I don't know that we have a, a stream web page on that because we did use quite a bit of private access yeah. on that. that. That's the issue with Eagle Creek. Uh, is there's there, not much. There are two or three public access sites there. Not going to be the easiest one to float, but uh, if you go out in the summer, you can you can wait a few spots, or it's slack enough you can paddle up and float the back down. First outdoor article I ever published was. One of mine was Eagle so, Creek. Uh, I was mm-hmm. I was really impressed by the size and the I mean plumpness of the fish. Just <clears throat> really good condition. Now, hmm. Go go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, and the other one I would say um, is is Drennan Creek. A lot of I mean and it's similar. A lot of these creeks, you know that those two in Elkhorn, that, what they all have in common is they're in that Kentucky River drainage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got good gradient to them, so you're looking for riffle pool, mm-hmm. quite a bit of rock. Um, they usually, they usually, they might get muddy when the water comes up, but they clean up pretty quickly. They do. Um, and you're really looking for that riffle pool kind of dynamic that has also got some deep, deep pools. You know, when I say deep, we're not talking ten feet even. Mm-hmm. We're talking four to six, seven feet max. And for Central Kentucky, that's a that's a know, deep. It's it's holding a little little uh little thermal refuge even if that's just degree difference that that can make a big difference so let's move to southeast and there was something i was going to say a second ago but i completely forgot what it was so it'll pop back but southeast so we're down there around lake cumberland type area so southeast has probably got one of the 
I'd say top five stream all around streams that I would send people to, mm-hmm. and that'd be South Fork of the Kentucky River. I totally agree. <laughs> uh, a ton of access. That's where I mm-hmm. caught my first muskie ever. So, <laughs> I love it, it. if you want a chance of catching a little bit of everything from white bass to rock bass to small, all three species of black bass that, that we have in that drainage, no coosa bass, but mm-hmm. you know, smallmouth spotted and largemouth, uh, good channel cat fishery. Um, it's stocked fairly regularly with muskie, and they do get quite large in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just a great all-around fishery, and a, for literally from the start of it in Oneida all the way to Beattyville, mm-hmm. there is plenty of access. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can plan out different float trips. Oneida to Rocky the, Branch the, is fantastic. The upper portion of it, there are spots that are weightable. So mm-hmm. even if you don't have a boat, there are spots you can you can get in and. and wade for maybe wade, a mile or so wade fish the kentucky river would be nice so the um you talked about good muskie the first muskie I ever caught there i went out with a guy who knew what he was doing and it was trolling so i enjoyed the heck out of it but at the same time i couldn't really count it you know what i mean because hmm. that i didn't make that cast and that rod wasn't in my hand i didn't set the hook so i had to go back and get another one but it was a trophy muskie it went like 43 and a half heck yeah and it's skinny yeah. water too you know it's, it was yep. pretty slick but um it's coosa bass you mentioned mm-hmm. Do we have coosa bass in the state? Yeah. We do. Uh, they, I believe, only in our eastern district. And, and they're, they're going to be... Martin's well, Fork I is te- a... I guess technically they could go into the southeast, too. But it's the upper Cumberland drainage. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, the only handful that I've seen came when I actually worked in the eastern district. And they were in Martin's Fork Lake yep, and Martin's its Fork. immediate tailwater. Yep. Hmm. Uh, now, I've sampled the upper Cumberland, which is also a decent fishery. Uh and, I, and I've never seen one there. Seen seen spotted bass, seen seen smallmouth, seen largemouth, but I, I've never. I think coozas were an intentional stocking from. I, I've never back seen in the day. one make it down from Martin's Fork or or Martin's Fork Lake. Uh, we do have plans to hopefully uh, sample with our tote barge in in the forks of the Cumberland. So Poor Fork, Clover Fork, and Martin's Fork soon, uh, and maybe they'll show up in that sample. So explain the tote barge to me real quick. So, yeah, so because uh, we talk about the tote barge, yeah, and sure. we're going to go do a TV segment on it sometime. So, if you're familiar with backpack shocking, mm-hmm. essentially you've got a unit on your back that's putting voltage into the water, and you have to be rubberized. I'm pretty sure you got to have insulated waders, mm-hmm. uh, breathable waders. You can still get shocked in. Um, that's not putting quite as heavy a, a current into the water as a boat. Mm-hmm. However, this tote barge is kind of in between but it has the voltage of a boat mm-hmm. so you need good insulated whether that be neoprene or canvas have you been lit layers. up before not by a tote barge uh, I've, I've been hit by a backpack and it's it's a little more than grabbing a grabbing a fence you know mm-hmm. an electric fence um but uh you know essentially this tote barge is uh, ours is a really heavy duty one it's made out of like anodized aluminum mm-hmm. Um, and in it, we've got a small generator that powers a shock box, the same exact box we would be using on a boat. So we're putting the same output out, out into the water. Mm-hmm. We're talking, depending on water conductivity, we're talking 200 to 400 volts. Mm-hmm. And on average, you know, 6 to 10 amps or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it could light you up. Uh, but it is kind of a combination of the boat and the backpack. Uh, it's got the power of the boat. It's floating uh, in, in this in this tote barge um that essentially one person is operating that barge and pushing it along Mm -hmm. uh coming from that we have 
the anodes, which is putting the charge into the water that people are holding. Mm-hmm. Um, insulated ha- fiberglass, insulated handles, obviously. Uh, and then we've got people dipping on each one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of safety things built into it. There's all sorts of magnetic switches that if, if the current Tipped. is broke at mm-hmm. one spot, it completely mm-hmm. kills everything. That's cool, magnetic switch like that. Um, makes so, sense. so if you fall, just let go of everything, and it'll cut it off immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, we wear uh, linemen's gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who, whoever's operating that thing, that way if you accidentally dip a little too deep and your hand gets the water, you don't get shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're in the water with that sampling, uh, and and dipping fish. So it's kind of a, in the middle between backpack and and boat. And we use that for water that we can't get a boat into, whether it be access related, you know, it's can't always, we can get our, our jet drive into a lot of places. Uh, you know, we can winch the trailer down from, from the truck if Mm -hmm. we have to. Um, but we got to have one deep enough water for the boat. Obviously, if we don't, then we're looking at a tote barge. and Or if we've got water that we could probably do either in, but we can't get a boat in, then we'd probably be looking at a tote barge. So some of your smaller streams, like Otter Creek, mm-hmm. um, not going to be able to run those riffles in a jet boat. Yeah. Um, uh, Redbird River, which mm-hmm. actually runs into South Fork Kentucky River, uh, is one we're looking to do this fall uh, with the tote barge. Uh, the upper portions of Station Camp Creek is the other one we're looking mm. at doing this fall. So I used to um, fish. Looking at some historic muskie streams this fall, potentially. With oh, I'm going to yeah. go with you. Come on. South uh, South uh, Station Camp was a historic muskie stream, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so, and we still stock it. So. Station Camp. Where's that? Estill uh, County. Comes in at Urban. Yeah. Estill County. So that would be? Uh, well, I guess West Urban, technically. North uh, Northeastern District? Yep. Go ahead and tell me about the Northeast. If, would it be that one, or is there another stream up there? Uh, we haven't sampled that one, so I don't. I don't have a good answer for you on that. Uh, I know the lower end of it will hold hold some musky for sure, but um, man, Northeast is another one that's chocked full of good ones. If we're talking a little bit of everything, uh, Licking Rivers got mm-hmm. got decent numbers of everything. Uh, we're talking musky spots, smallmouth. Um, it's very but but if too. I wanted to send you on a on a picturesque one and, and send you after a muskie, I'm going to send you to Tigerts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, some really cool bluff walls in it's there. It's gorgeous. Um, and access is decent. Um, you do have a chance at catching catching some other species, but muskie's going to be your. It's a fairly low productivity stream, so don't expect to go there and, and you know have a 50 60 fish day. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, if you're small, I was going to say, man, but um, <laughs> that'd be the best musky street you know, in America. You, you can have, you could, you could probably have a multiple musky day there. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't recall the, the <clears throat> name of the group, but they're a group of of anglers that they do nothing but fly fish. Um, I've seen that guy. Uh, Little Sandy River, he, Kenny Knick, and Tigerts. I've seen him some of that. Yeah. Compilation videos, you know, of mm-hmm. them fly fishing on Tigerts, smacking um, them. I mean, it's incredible throwing throwing bucktail mm-hmm. jigs on a fly rod and things like that. And, yeah. Speaking, um, so yeah. Speaking of that, so you know, I've been catching muskie actually lately. You know, somehow fairly consistently. And there's this guy on Facebook. Uh, he's an attorney out of Shelby County. He's a fly fisherman, and he'd started busting me about when are you going to do it on a fly rod? You know, you need to go there with a fly rod. And I told him I was like, man, I I would if, but I don't have a fly rod set up for it. You know, I don't have anything that can handle it. So what's he do? Calls my bluff and tosses me a non-weight reel. So now I'm 
got to go catch a muskie on a fly rod because he absolutely 100 percent was like i'm tired of the excuses here's your reel go do it damn so yeah so now well, that's that riding back hey what about the rod and the line too <laughs> well, my problem, I, I, have got a, a trip. I think he did more than enough for me uh, no doubt but i've got an eight weight rod which is kind of light for the muskie you know and uh but i think i can make it make it work hopefully i just don't hook into a real big one but the with a fly rod you can do a little bit more than you can with a like it doesn't make sense right like it's more difficult to cast it's more difficult to fight a fish on but you can get bites with a fly rod that you couldn't get with a traditional casting or spinning setup somehow i don't know uh, it just uh, one well, you can throw a little bit lighter stuff, don't you think? Something about the presentation. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. whether it's the finessiness of it, or you know, maybe being able to roll cast some spots where you can't maybe throw a bait caster underneath, or you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, if you're getting underneath some tree limbs, you can kind of make that kind of roll sidearm cast and get into some spots. Or I think it's the motion of the bait too. So, I mean, like when I throw a, yeah, it might be the hesitation of, of stripping it in. Yeah, uh, from time to time. But. Well, the biggest. Well, the two biggest muskie I've seen, both of them I was with my buddy Bobby, and we've only muskie fished together twice. Um, three times. We've been three times. One of them was a cave run lake, and it was just reeling in and talking, and next thing we know, under the boat goes this thing that looks like a log floating under us, and we were both, you know, it didn't come up right to the surface, but we both saw it pass under the boat. The second one was on uh, Green River. I was throwing a spinner bait, and I was up ahead of Bob, and I worked this area hard and i was over kind of pushed against the bank when he got in there and he threw that fly in there and one of the biggest muskies i've ever seen was came right up to it and was just following that fly around and i don't know what would have happened if he would have hooked it but some reason that muskie was interested in his rig and i just i know it had seen what i was throwing right no interest at all and there's certain times of the year where the fly guys just crush big fish that nobody else is able to catch like falls of the ohio those guys throwing fly rods will catch white bass and hybrids as big or bigger than anything you see caught on conventional tackle. I don't know how they're doing it. Something about the presentation and the way that that bait floats through the mm-hmm. the slack water. And but I mean, if you want to catch really big fish, I think you might want to look at a fly rod just for that just for that opportunity. So I've got to I've got to figure out how to do that. I think I had plenty of backing. <laughs> I think I can cast it just fine. I think I can strip it just fine. My thing, I don't know, and if somebody's listening to the podcast, they want to help me out. What do I do when that fish bites? You know, what, what's the hook set? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm imagining because you're going to have a bunch of line that's just kind of slack that you've stripped in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm st- imagining that I'm going to hold tight with my left hand, set the hook with my right hand, and while holding your line, you just run it through your fingers. And yes, and that is the next thing. Because you want a glove hand on that left hand. I'm thinking glove yeah. because that muskie's going to run line. Yeah, and that float line is kind of a rubberized material, mm-hmm. and I feel like it can when, burn you. Yeah, it can. Yeah, if a forty incher takes off on me, it's gonna, and there goes my skin along. But I think I can probably handle it for one fish, and then after that, I'm probably done for the day. But I've, there's some things I've got to figure out because I've never caught a fish on a fly rod that really required me to give it manual drag. A mm-hmm. lot of line. Yeah, I mean, I've caught like maybe a three pound of hybrids, the biggest fish, which is a hard fighting fish. But it's nothing like that. And, a, you know, the disc drag systems they have on fly rods are a lot better than the quick and paw we had when we were growing up. But you've got you to know? get it to that yeah, point, right? Yeah, you've got to get it, it on there. Yeah, but. if you've had a long cast and you've got, you know, what? 40 feet. I would say 15 yards or so of line, sit, either sitting in the water or sitting in the floor of your kayak with you, if you're yeah. talking about doing it from a kayak, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you got to let them get that out. Yep. Yeah. And, and you can get them on the reel a little bit. You know, yeah. let them pull and reel, let them pull and reel, and then 
It's going to be a trial and error type thing. But I'm going to try that on Saturday. I'm going to take the the fly rod and see what happens. I kind of hope it's like a 27-inch or something. You know, fairly oh, manageable. Come on. Set your sights higher than 52. <laughs> 52. Uh, there are, you know, probably some 50-inchers in there. And I asked uh, Harden. I was like, man, where do these 50-inchers come from? They get in these little streams and stuff. And he seemed to think that some of them might be coming through the dams. Uh, Green River in particular, a lot, a lot of those fish are coming from the dam because we, too. we, we do mm-hmm. stock, oh, yeah. uh, that area of Green River. Uh, but, uh, whether it be low hatchery production or, uh, just not a high priority stream or something like that, it doesn't get stocked every year. Um, we know that a lot of fish are coming through the dam at Green River. That's how we get our walleye. Same, stock. Mm-hmm. Same thing with we don't stock Green River with walleye. We yeah. stock Green River Lake with walleye. There's a lot of walleye. And we river. go below the dam mm-hmm. after some really big flows and release events and things like that. So hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, I mean, that, that tailwater is chocked full of a lot of fish that have come through the dam. Crappie. I mean, just go look at the shad population. You know, yeah. On Tigers Creek, mm-hmm. we used to have that access at Iron Hill. Now, is the last access at the park now? I would have to look at a map to tell you, Lee. Uh, the, the Northeast District actually actually did that one the last time it was sampled. Uh, so it's been a few years since I've been to that one. Um, but I, I believe the Iron Hill access is still there as far as I know. I'm not sure if there's another one further downriver. Well, they have, well there was, it was there, and then it wasn't, yeah. and has it come back, I guess? Uh, I believe. Don't don't quote me on it. You can check our our web page access i think there was uh, a church there that had and, some and issues. Uh, you should be able to if it's if it's up on that website it should be public okay. access all right uh, good we, deal. we do a pretty good job of when we find one that needs to be taken down we get it off of there another yeah. good resource for people would be the boatfish ky app too because yes. that should have all these access points and it's literally right on your phone yep. you know so the boatfish ky app is something that mm. you know is is fairly new we soft launched it and i think the you know just now starting to promote it because the bugs have all been worked out but yep. that that's kept up to date too and that has all the exact same info that we're talking about yes species information access points things like that are all on that app and it, like I, I told lee on a previous podcast that <clears throat> you could take that app and you could plan a float a week a different float each week for the next 10 years mm-hmm. you know and never do every possibility just because kentucky's got so much water it's that's you know paddleable or accessible to a boat so and that's kind of where you you know work in is kentucky now you might know more about this but apparently kentucky has more miles of navigable waterway than any state other than alaska it's up there let's yeah. let's put it that way i don't know the official number or where we place as a state but we are definitely one of the most water rich states in the nation as mm-hmm. far as running water so goes. so maybe that claim isn't I, I don't know if it's accurate it might be accurate but because you think about it we got the ohio river the whole northern border yeah. then the whole eastern border we have um Levisa and big sandy yeah mm-hmm. which is technically not our water but and then we're carved up counts. with yeah. kentucky and green and barren yep. and I, I mean we got rivers and creeks everywhere but so i was looking at that and then i always heard that out of all the counties in kentucky madison county has the most of any county because it's got paint, silver paint it's got silver otter yeah. muddy the kentucky river and uh dreaming creek otter no I said it's otter. got several i think I, I i don't know that i would i would claim it right off the bat i'm sure there's some other ones that are that are pretty dang close yeah. um but yeah i mean they're obviously some counties have more than others but yeah. for it's the most part if you're in a county there there's a, a stream to fish you know 
you know maybe you don't have public access to it but there there's some running water moving through it point mm-hmm. being though that you've got a lot to do yeah mm-hmm. between you know yeah, there, there's a lot of water that in my time here will never hit yeah well you just can't that's what i'm saying yeah. you could literally do a different kayak float every single week and not hit everything that kentucky has in your lifetime maybe you know what I mean? maybe in your lifetime right. if like, you're going you know around. streams is just one portion of, of what we've got yeah. going in the branch we've got a lot of other projects as well so uh this is kind of a spring and fall time yeah. thing is when we're hitting these these creeks well, let's hit the last one eastern yeah, so uh, hands down, I'm going to send you to Lavaza Fork. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I thought. There, there are some other options. Russell Fork's also a great option, but Lavaza uh, has got quite a bit of access. Um, there are parts of it that you can wade fish, uh, parts of it that you will need a kayak or you know some sort of some sort of boat to float down in. Um, if you've got a jet drive, it's jet drive accessible. There are some boat ramps there. There's some easy put-ins. Um, and you've got a little bit of everything there's there's small mouth there's uh obviously fish trap is an impoundment uh on it um i I guess i can talk about two spots um below the lake uh you've obviously anything that's in the lake again can get entrained through there so we've got uh we've got blue cats that have started showing up in in the river below the lake that have come through the dam you've got hybrids that are coming down um you've got walleye that are coming out of both what we used to stock in fish trap and uh what virginia stocks in flanagan uh and we stock in russell for so uh a lot of species down there you've got smallmouth that can get up quite large uh one of our employees that works in the eastern district is a taxidermist Mm -hmm. uh and has gotten several nice fish pulled out of there that have been been asked to be mounted so um good channel cat fishery as well um rock bass are okay um but i I don't know that i'd send somebody somewhere there to target them but you might you might run into some as bycatch um and uh also the potential for musky there as well so uh now if we talk about above the lake uh when i worked out east um at the time we were stocking a few lakes with smallmouth as part of a research project that our uh i believe our black bass research mm-hmm. branch that we had at the time was doing uh and we were actually up there looking for some native walleye but we ran into the most 18 to 20 plus inch bass right. that i've ever seen in i one remember section. that um it was a mind-blowing day our current director was actually uh out there with us yep. that day and uh it's pretty slick <laughs> it, uh it was a day that was i don't know that i'll ever match again even if i was you know in a hot spot on cumberland pulling up 18 to 20 inch smallmouth so um and that's cool out of a stream there's there's not a ton of act there's some roadside pull-offs that you can access there um you can wait it at low water but you're going to be moving around and there's some you go from six inches of water to 16 feet of water mm-hmm. you know some some deep holes that you can fall in there um but rough terrain not a whole lot there is some access but not not a ton up that way um and then it obvious as it as you go further up it becomes pretty much non-navigable um as you get closer to the virginia line but uh man it, it held some big fish that day let's put it that way so i, I would definitely send people to lavaza um any, anybody that's in that uh is mouth card there is there a place around mouth card i I know exactly where you're talking uh i 
Kevin I, Fry used to talk about that. If being you know a really where Big's Bridge is or mm-hmm. Fed, Feds Creek Bridge is, yep. there, uh, there, there's some pull-offs there. I don't know what the public-private situation is there, so I, I don't want to tell anybody something and have them be trespassing. Um, I, there used to be a WMA access down around that way. Um, that that you could park and walk in on. Uh, not sure website. if that's gated. Not sure if that's gated or not anymore, though. But um, website or the Boatfish KY. Uh, yeah, I would definitely check the access there again. I don't know if anything's listed, um, but if you know somebody, I think get Kevin got a up there. boat in there one yeah. time and he was blown away. So um, there is a ramp on that that upper part of the lake. There, it's not usable at winter pool. Um, not going to be when you want to get in there anyway, probably. But uh, at summer pool, you know, you could probably get a kayak in and, and paddle up a good little ways. Um, but, again, yep. treacherous terrain. I, I, I don't know that I call them rapids, but some pretty good riffles that you might have to work through. So, Well, Dreams walked down to my office and told me, he said, you should see what I saw when you all did that. Yeah. So real trip. quick, real quick and recap, and then I want to hit on sure. that. Western District, you say go to Tradewater River. Absolutely. And catch both in. Yeah. Northwest, you said Otter Creek and Nolan River. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you said Central Eagle Creek, which is somewhere I've never been. And that one's close to close to home here. Mm-hmm. So Eagle Creek, and I'll throw in, uh, it kind of goes into uh, both Northeast and the Central, but South Fork of Licking River is another mm-hmm. good one to hit um, if, yep. you're, if you're into smallmouth and rock bass. Yep. Southeast, you said uh, South Fork, Kentucky River. Yes. Northeast, you said Licking River and Tigrets Creek. Yep. And then for the eastern, it was a, a hard Louisa Fork. Yes. And absolutely. so those are those are places, no matter where you are, There's one of those is within an hour, if you had to say, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And if, if, you, if you don't like those, feel free to give uh, – Give our branch a call, and we, we can get you in the right direction to get you get you somewhere where we know there's fish. Mm-hmm. So, so a second ago, you were talking about the you'll you've never matched that day those smallmouth on the vice of fork, and Lee was talking about how Dave acted like it was just crazy. <laughs> what is the craziest thing you've seen in the field? It can be fish related or it can be not fish related. But when you're out there on these streams, what's the one of those things you've seen that's like, oh my gosh? Uh. We I, it wasn't even stream related. This was just driving back. But uh, you know, I'm a lot of my job, unfortunately, is windshield time. We we're based here in Frankfurt, but we work statewide. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we've had days where we see crazy big fish, fish that have eaten other fish, and all sorts of things like that. Um, seen fish eating on a deer carcass before. If I had to pick one thing, <laughs> one, one thing from the one day that all three of these crazy things happened, uh, we were in Henderson, Kentucky, had just gotten off a long day on the Ohio River of catfish shocking and walked into, if you're familiar with the gas station, Chuckles, which happened, there's, there's several of them in Owensboro and Henderson area. Uh, we filled up with gas, walked in to get a, a drink and a bag of chips or something, and uh, there was a gentleman standing outside of the door with a full-size macaw on his shoulder. <laughs> uh, so that, that's the craziest non-fishing thing, um, the craziest fishing thing. And, you know, it, it just seems kind of normal now, but, you know, we've gotten several, shocked several musky where you'll knock them out and they'll they'll have a, 25 inch sucker in their mouth. Uh, 25 <laughs> inch sucker. I'm not using we, big enough lures. Uh, <laughs> we, we've seen some 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 musky like that that you're just like, okay, yeah. Didn't didn't think that that was the norm, but uh, 
you know they're just sitting there then they've they've t-boned a big golden red horse or something mm-hmm. and, yeah it's weird uh, those musky man how their mouths open up like you don't you you can hardly ever see unless you like catch one on a figure eight or something but they'll just be following behind your bait and when they want to eat it they don't even like surge forward to eat it they just open their mouths and it's like it opens up like a five gallon bucket and it just pulls everything into very similar to bass hitting top water yeah it's but it's wild how i mean it's like that thing opens up the way their jaws hinged it gets bigger around than their body is like they could potentially try to eat themselves if they could you know Mm -hmm. but i don't know some of those people throw like two foot long bulldogs you know those big rubber bulldog baits that are literally 24 inches long and weigh two pounds and i can't even imagine throwing one but it's got to be cool when a muskie eats one so i mean it's uh i don't know if there's too big or too small when it comes to muskie fishing i I, I think it's what do they want that day yeah and i've told the story before about that one that i was watching in the tailwater section and i was putting swim baits and spinner baits and i was putting everything right in front of his nose and he didn't care at all and then he swam right over there and ate a green and orange crappie jig some dude had mm-hmm. four pound test line i was like wow that's the day we met what no this was um yeah it was after that yeah th- th- we went to russell creek and yeah. uh you went to the so, box yeah but so they're just so finicky what's the coolest fish in your opinion in the state if you had to pick one, it's just like, man, that's a really cool fish. I mean, my personal favorite thing to fish for is is smallmouth. Small mouth, but if I had to pick just a, a fish that I think looks cool, its behavior is cool, and, and you know, just kind of an interesting, weird fish, I, I also am pretty partial to flathead catfish. Flatheads are cool. Uh, we we see mm-hmm. them. Obviously, the Ohio River's got got some some giants in it, um, but they're in a lot of places that that you know people just don't even think they would be they're in elkhorn they're in south fork kentucky river you won't see them quite as big as that um but i mean they kind of just pop up everywhere i actually caught one on top water in elkhorn yeah, a week what, or so ago so that's why i like i've caught weirdest, channel cats on top thing, so. in elkhorn but that's why i like the flatheads i, I for some reason i kind of like have more respect for them than i do the blues and the channels and the, you know the bullheads and everything it's because they they're predators you know like the blues and the channels and stuff they're cool they scavenge and things like that but the flatheads they want to chase bait you know and it's just like they're an apex predator just like a muskie or any other big fish like that i think they're cool i think muskie's cool i think smallmouth should be our state fish i, mm-hmm. I said that the other day and i truly just personally think that it should be the smallmouth bass based on that we have so many streams and they're the stream fish and based on we have the world record mm-hmm. you know so many reasons but i brought that up to somebody the other day and they were like well good luck getting that changed apparently it's like a lot of legislation mm-hmm. well, <laughs> oh, well they passed it yeah they made the, yeah, the so, spotted bass the kentucky bass yeah, yeah. yeah. Something I say, like now, now that we've called it the kentucky bass i don't think that that the small mouth stands no. a change no doubt and you know it, it's funny in kentucky early anybody calls them kentuckys but if you go like texas or down south they call spotted bass kentuckys a lot of times there's also there's a but that, not in kentucky it's it's strange yeah i wanted to know what uh what the one of the crazier things you'd seen in the field was because you know there's some good stories when you get out there yeah there's probably some more that don't come to mind right off the top of my head or that just we, can't be said <laughs> uh, we'll leave that for off the air uh. i've got a couple that can't be said too um so we were originally going to do this podcast last uh friday mm-hmm. wasn't it friday or thursday or friday but mm-hmm. we had to scratch that because lee had to go fishing yep how i did that, how'd that go it went well uh we did russell creek milltown down to camp um 
It was, you know, and funny thing was, you talk about flashiness. Thursday morning at midnight, or Wednesday morning, yeah, Wednesday, you know, Wednesday going into Thursday, mm-hmm. the flow was 400 and something CFS. When we took off Friday, it was 58. Yep. Rus- Russell, Creek, Russell Creek is very, very flashy. Um, very dependent on how much rain is Columbia is getting, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes. So... It's yeah. crazy the uh, the rain we got. We got a ton of rain over the past four or five days. It didn't do a lot to the creeks and rivers because it all just soaked into the ground. Mm-hmm. That ground needed it. Uh, bad. Know? The farmers are, are happy too. But we we caught several you know respectable thirteen to fifteen inches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, I liked it better when there was a little more flow. I think really seventy five would be my cutoff now if I was to do that again. But I did that lower flow last fall at thirty six and we caught fish. But we had a lot of you know, that, that, that's an interesting uh, substrate down there. There's a lot of wood and a lot of trees that go over into that creek. We had to portage the other day, but when we did that one last fall, mm-hmm. we had to portage like four times. And a couple of them were powerful drops right into a tree, which is no good at all. No. So that's beaching and carrying around. Yep. So we did the upper. And that is a long float. Uh, we did it, you know, it's seven, around seven and a half miles. Yep. And uh, we, we hauled butt to get it done in, in seven hours. So... Um, and there's a lot of water we burned in that section, yeah, but, but yeah. we were under a time thing. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing that. I'd recommend getting there right a little bit after daybreak and plan to take out at dusk yeah. if you're going to do that flow. Yeah, especially at that flow. I'd check the flow. So. Yes, I wouldn't do it under 75. But, I mean, it's doable, but it's a different animal. Right. Where'd you catch them on? Um, Jack caught his on a swim bait with the little spinner in front. Mm. Um I think Mega Bass makes it. Like a like a horse head type jig. Yeah, it's like a horse head jig with the, but it's more like the tourist rig spinner. Do you mm-hmm. remember off a of cream worm? I know what you're talking about. And then I caught mine on a uh, soft plastic jerk bait called the Amy Fish, which I fished weightless. Yeah, you told me about that. Just and nose hooking it. Just nose hooking it and letting it. I mean, do absolutely nothing. Everybody, so many people do, try to overdo stream smallmouth. It's the deader the presentation, the better off you are, mm-hmm. or the most. Um, Especially when the water's low. When the water is low, yes. And it, and it was low the other day. I mean, I just, my thing I tried to concentrate on the most was getting that thing down. I can't tell you how many bites I've gotten when my bait's just sitting there. Yeah. When I'm like messing around in my kayak, make a cast, <laughs> I'm messing around in my kayak. And look up, my oh, rolling. my line's going upstream. I, I, I would agree with Lee that uh, I think people overthink things a lot when they go out to these, these creeks to fish. And lakes too, for that aspect, but creeks in particular. I, you know, I, I live five miles or so from Elkhorn, so in the summer I, I fish it religiously. And uh, you know, I, I've been here in Frankfurt for about eleven years now, and I think I've thrown three baits yeah. ever on yeah. Elkhorn. Yeah. I, and, and I may be exaggerating a little bit, but I only carry three in my tackle box. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Let me guess. Well, can I guess? Sure. I know you, I know you like topwater because you you love catching them on topwater. You've been talking about it. So topwater is one of them. Probably a head and spook or a czar spook I, or. A, I, I typically have a white topwater of some sort. It's usually a spook junior. Uh, and this year I've started fishing a little whopper plopper sixties. So you have the six. That's the new. Yeah, it's always white. So topwater and uh, the the little walk the dog spook baits are are fun. Yeah, yeah they and are. And then whopper ploppers fun too. Blah 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 blah. Going across surface. Then you got to have. A crawfish imitator of some type, so some soft plastic crawfish. I do not. Well, what about a swim bait? Because that's what I'd have. I do. Yeah. I'd have those three. Something that looks like a crawfish, something looks like a minnow, and then something to have some fun with, which would be your I, I usually have a, 
you either like a the smaller Kitek, like a, a three inch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lately I've been using. I think Guggen Squad makes it Saucy Swimmer. Mm-hmm. They, they make one Chad used like the a, Easy Shiner, the other three and a half inch, point eight inch. So yeah. anything that's a paddle tail swim bait, uh, or even a, a fluke, you know, style swim bait, the, jerk bait, whatever you want. The to call little it. slider grub, the three inch yeah. version of slider uh, grub with the boot tail, are uh, great. Some something like that, and I'm usually looking for some sort of shad color on that because there are shad that run up there. Yeah. Uh, and the other one that I that I fish is a three inch green pumpkin senko. Mm-hmm. I've kept yep. I've kept companies in business with the amount of senkos that I've used on on. I've got so I've in my box. Same. I've got like this many. Uh, Anytime I see, and I would say ninety percent of the time I'm throwing that three inch green pumpkin senko, and yep. it's usually wacky rigged weightless. So yep. along the same lines is how I think. Like when I go. I usually, in my kayak, I put the baits I think I'm going to use, and there's a pack of swim baits, a pack of, I usually use like a crawfish imitator, but Cinco crawfish imitator, and then some wild card would be your top water. But do you, how do you rig your swim baits? Uh, A couple different ways. It it really depends on how big a tackle box I'm carrying. I actually, uh, recently I've just started wearing a turkey vest Mm -hmm. in the field, and I put my tackle box and my water bottle in the back. I've got my fluorocarbon extra liter line and my keys and wallet in one pouch and i've usually got um maybe like some uh pliers or forceps mm-hmm. or something in the other one and um i mean typically you know i, I i'm just not carrying that much so no. I, I i may have weightless and just kind of be popping them along and letting them bounce off the bottom a lot like I would a Senko, but just a slightly different presentation. Mm-hmm. Or I might have a, a Ned head that, hey, I didn't have any swim hook jigs, so I, I rig it with completely exposed. Uh, but the way I like to do it is a, 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 two-ock, a two or a three-aught belly-weighted uh, mm-hmm. uh, swim bait hook, and I, and I will just kind of Texas rig it and, and rig it weedless there. Or not Texas rig it, but uh, just thread it in there and, and – you know make sure that hook hook point is not exposed so that's that's very similar the reason i ask is because i like the the belly weighted swim bait hooks a lot i also like just texas rig but a lot of times what i'll do is i'll tie one of those belly weighted hooks on or i'll texas rig a hook on and then i use that for my swim bait for my ned rig you know whatever i'm throwing and that way if i get to water i can just pull the soft plastic off put something different on change presentations but you can run a swim bait texas rig just fine mm-hmm. yep uh he knows a lot issue is i don't really like to use a ned rig in the creek that much or anything weighted especially when there's current because i feel like i'm getting swept into rock crevices mm-hmm. and I, yep. I, then you get I, home i don't like to leave a lot of hooks in the creek because yep. i wait in there i don't want to step yeah, on them yeah. Uh, but two, I'm cheap and I don't like to lose tackle. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't. A lot know, of stuff yeah. I fish in the creek is weightless. weightless. And that's why I like. And I don't fish hook exposed hardly ever because you just get madder than hell. You know. Uh, yeah. Wa- wacky rigged is typically and, that, that's the only time I'm fishing with it exposed. And, and you can. And that's a weightless bait. I'm not letting it hit the bottom most of the time. You know, there's a lot of bullet heads too that have an extra wide gap hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fish those for swim baits and for grubs, and for that yep. way I could just change, change, change. Yeah. Um, but with a swim bait, you want that extra wide gap hook just to give you that, you know, because yeah. it'll. And with the Ned, the fat, what what I can't, what Chase calls them is a <laughs> yeah. beef worm. <laughs> That's but, not a bad but, word. But no, well, yeah, but um, <laughs> the TRD, it, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
but that that is so thick too i like to have a little bit extra a little bit more gap if you use kind of a j hook Mm -hmm. sometimes that'll bind up so much around that point that you don't get you don't get the good steam and the one thing i will say if you're fishing weightless those trd worms are not going to work because they're going to float yep they they will last forever on a net rig hook but otherwise you've got to go with something uh you know a yum dinger a sticko or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever something that's got some salt and it's not made out of that uh a laztec material yeah because it floats extremely yeah. durable but it will float so yeah, that stuff is durable so durable. so don't don't plan on fishing weightless if you no, i still you like any, cinco cinco is better than any of them just the real cinco yeah so you fished russell creek you did fish elkhorn i fished elkhorn last thursday uh it had cooled down it was cloudy i threw nothing but top water and i had a day yeah that's a heck of a day so uh, anytime you can catch them on top water all day that's pretty slick i went to the falls of the ohio yesterday and i want to clarify something because i you know i guess i we went out there it was a beautiful day right and then it turned into not a beautiful day as we were getting off the water and then i found myself waiting out a hellstorm at a speedway <laughs> afterwards so when i was at the speedway waiting at a hellstorm i put picture from the falls on facebook right and i talked about how we had given a jet ski a tow broke down and i guess i worded it wrong and a bunch of people thought that i was out on a jet ski in the ohio river (laughs) and that is not a position i'll ever find myself in because i'm not taking a jet ski on the ohio river that's just me personally so i was actually a little bit offended when people thought that it was me broken down on a jet ski on the ohio river but it was uh you know i'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus i don't even know the people's names but they bought the jet ski the day before taking it to the ohio river to test it out never a good idea you know what i mean and especially with severe weather coming yeah because if we wouldn't have we were the only boat out there heading back it was starting to rain you could see the lightning and they were flagging us down dead in the water and i was like man if if we wouldn't have driven by you guys would have been in a bad spot with that, a hell storm coming what happened did they, they bought it the day before took it out there to yeah. test it out and didn't work so i don't know they took on water i know that when he would step on one side of it that jet ski wanted to roll over it had water in it mm. um and he it was a guy and a girl and the poor, poor girl she was scared to death out there so but it was a bad situation but i personally am never going to take a jet ski out on the ohio river to test it out with severe weather i definitely wouldn't take it to the falls no. he took it below we, we see we see plenty of jet skis on the ohio when we're out there yeah. but uh a fiberglass hole in the falls of the Ohio. Probably, There's no probably no. not the smartest. The idea. falls is you've got to you know you, you've really got to know what you're doing there. Those fossil beds are pretty solid. No, but yeah. we caught fish. I guess that's where I was going. Is that I just threw a, sw- a curly tail grub actually, the uh, two and a half or three inch curly tail grub, and I caught drum and gar and blue cats and everything that you see up there. I mean, it was midday, so no stripers or hybrids, but they have been killing the stripers and hybrids up there lately. Yep. So it's the fly guys have so maybe something to think about maybe. Hmm. what else you got jot down lee you want to you got anything else you want to talk well, about let I'm me ba- see i wanted to run through each district i want to get somewhere to go kind of yeah that's kind of was you know i was going to ask the status of hybrids in the ohio river i mean we uh <laughs> us along with the other ohio river states are still stocking uh both stripers and hybrids in there uh, depending on where you're at um and typically the 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 fall is kind of the hot bite uh usually october in the tailwaters is when it really starts to pick up and uh you can catch them really honestly you know through february in the tailwaters it's going to slow down obviously when it gets too cold but when we go out and do sauger 
samples and things um you know we'll still see white bass and hybrids uh in those tailwaters in, in january uh, well, last so last fall we caught we went to meldall and caught we uh know, yeah if blue I, cats I, and hybrids yeah. right in the same spot yep. you know it was I fun would, i would say if you're targeting them you know kind of that mid to late october is going to be prime time to go out there and, and really that was october get, one when chase and i went get, remember with get bent yeah. and and even in the middle of the day you know catch some catch some yeah um usually it seems to be kind of a you know early morning uh dusk type bite um blue cats are piled up right now at the falls yes i don't know is it because of water conditions just well we got uh right now water's pretty low on the river there's not a whole lot of flow when you get away from the tailwater area so there's probably a lot of fish in general stacked up there um one because that moving water is bringing them Oh, two yep. little little cooler water, oxygen. Uh, they're it's a good ambush spot. They're just waiting for prey to float by. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'd say t- tail waters right now with flow being very low is a, is a great spot to look for fish in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, blue cats are going to go where the bait's at, right? Mm-hmm. There there's is. there's a ton of bait uh, in, in that tail water right now. Mm-hmm. All that fry, all the spawns from everything that spawned out back in. <laughs> march and april and i mean it's all there you can look down and just see yep. bait flying around disoriented what else lee you got anything else because i'm i'm ready to i think we got a lot of good info out of jay here today. No, i agree um i saw upper salt river on the stream fisheries page that's a new entry isn't it no it's been there for a while uh we may have updated it um it's not really one you want to go float. Uh, what it that's is a, is there's several uh, low head dams, low-head dams on there with access points above them um that that we will sample in there so yeah you can go you can go paddle some flat water in there uh you can also get a boat in all of them uh depending on how ambitious you are two of them have boat ramps and one's got kind of a little gravel gravel let down um but you can't say i'm gonna put in here and take out there because you're going to portage your low head down you're you're gonna either need some you're either gonna need to portage or you're gonna have to have some access to private uh private Mm -hmm. property uh but it does occasionally get stocked when we have surplus bass um or we might move some bass around from lakes that we're doing removals that have stunted populations. We may move some in there to help supplement those if they've gotten kind of a, uh, a sample recently that showed they were down a little bit. Um, but I fish them myself. like to put it in Harrodsburg. It's going up there. It's nice. You're shaded all day because it's got a nice canopy to it. So another good, good small water option for anybody looking for one. Cool. I'm Out of the list you gave me here, the, the ones I'm most interested in are Tigers Creek and device of fork those are the two that i'm you know thinking that's where i need and to go south licking is excellent i've floated from layer all the way to barry and i do think the barren's underrated too or overlooked yeah. <clears throat> i remember one time i've only floated barren one time and it was uh i think it was a headwaters section of barren and it was really pretty they're beautiful i was floating with family and uh there was a bluff wall i remember and the water was deep there and I was like, there's a rock bass there. Cast over there, and next thing I know, my drag's burning. Turned out to be a pretty good-sized hybrid. Mm-hmm. I caught right off that bluff wall in skinny water. It was kind of um, kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, that another thing that I should mention about Barron is, you know, I was mainly talking about below the river, but above the river has an amazing, or amazing Maroney fishery if you go in late <laughs> April, early May. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, so much so that when we were sampling, we, we had to, you know stop halfway through the run to work up fish because the live well was full hmm. 
between hybrids. I've seen bass, some of the pictures of that. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. So. Is, is there much float um, potential above? Above? Mm-hmm. I believe there's actually some canoe liveries up there. But, yeah, I mean, we, we put a jet drive in. You've got uh, the lowermost point would be Highland Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite a few quite a few people float from Carruth Ford down to Holland That's what Ridge. I thought, yeah. Uh, but you can also get in at Deep Ford. Yes. Float down to Carruth. Uh, you can get in a few places on Salt Lick and then float down into Barron and take out at Carruth or Holland as well. So there, there are several opportunities up there. That's one I – we were going to do it one day with Dreves and everybody went down. Beautiful the day before. Had a freshette in the middle of the night. Mud ball. Yeah, pretty, so pretty we, flashy, and it, it that that uh, we had there's to, a lot we, of ag in that area, so it, it takes a little while for for that creek to clear up if it does come up. I mean, it was chocolate milk. I mean, creamy coffee water. So <laughs> we'd turn around. You've got to hate that. Yeah, I, I would love to. That's one I want to get to know better. Well, guys, I appreciate it. I think we're good on the day. i got a spot to go fishing in every region and a couple other good And those, those two trips on South Licking are very doable. The, Absolutely. The, the, Portages are not that, or the shuttles aren't that bad. Uh, it's on the Blue Water Trails page. It's it's good. Yes. And Jeff said they just sampled like above Falmouth and did really well. Just this spring, you you found moving water. There there were fish there. Sweet. I'm ready to go fishing, guys. So Me too. I got to figure out this fly reel, but then I'll be out there. So. Well, we got to do our little elk trip. We talked about too. I'm dying to. There's still plenty of summer left, but let's not put it off. Let's go ahead and get to it sometime and soon. We get rain coming, so that's good. You know. It's we got a nice little bump there for a little bit. It was getting yep. 60 to, you know, CFS and stuff. Yeah. I didn't like it. I looked at Green. They finally opened the gates up a little bit. What's it flowing? 375. Wow. That's what I want. <laughs> and 56 CFS all summer. Well, we, so. we went over the other day. I was like, my God, Russell Creek's bigger than Green. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was. They're at, the, they're at the 68 bridge. It looked, you could jump across, it looked yeah, like. For the, for the last two or three months, it's been 56 CFS. So the day you guys put on Russell Creek, it was more water. Yeah. Then green. So finally got a little more flow. I'm glad we got some rain. I appreciate you guys coming by. I'm going to go ahead and call it quit. So if you're good with it. Cool. Absolutely. I'm ready to go eat lunch. Thank you, guys.